0: Maybe y'all can't feel it back there, we can feel it right here. There's a lot of anticipation going on with these kids for the year to come, well, for this next year, but especially for the next week, a lot of anticipation. You know, uh, 34 years, it seems like a long time because it is a long time, and a lot of memories, but a lot of them seem so distant, it seems like a lifetime ago that my boys were small enough to be up here, and my daughter was small enough to be up here. And uh, it goes quickly, it goes quickly. Merry Christmas to you. How many is ready for Christmas? I wanna see your hand if you're ready for Christmas. Yeah, that's about all It. How many of you are not ready for Christmas? Oh, big trouble, big trouble. You're not gonna order online and get it, that's one option. So you'll make a mad rush to Walmart and just get anything that you can get probably for uh, your kids or your husband or whatever. But Christmas is a hectic time, but um, we've, we've talked about it this morning in our pre-service meeting about how everybody seems like this year has been we have had a eventful year, but especially right now, everybody's looking forward to Christ's birth, but really the second coming of Christ and uh, we've got a whole new perspective about what, this, what we're anticipating in the years to come or maybe this next year. This past year was definitely uh, some things we didn't expect would happen, have definitely happened. Who would have ever thought that you were ever told by the government or anybody else that you need to stay in your house? How many of you have got chapped lips and chapped nose and chapped face over here from wearing a stinking mask everywhere? Okay, I don't wear a mask very often, and I couldn't stand it, I don't think. But a lot of people have to wear that thing all the time. And I know it's for health reasons, and, but we've had to do things, and we've grown accustomed to doing things that really are not part of our nature. We're going to talk about God came near. I may do it again next week, but right now for sure, this is the last of four weeks of God came near we're going to be starting a fast in the 1st of January January 3rd through the 24th we'll be doing three weeks of fasting it it is not it is not for everyone but it is for many of us it may be uh i said three weeks of fasting you immediately you thought, man that's a long time not to eat and uh three weeks would be a very long time not to eat but we're calling it a first first fruits fast if you want to uh fast the daniel fast which is We'll go into more detail the next week. But if you want to do that, or if you just want to do uh, meals a day, or you want to do three days or seven days or whatever, uh, we're going to do it as a church. But really, I think you need to be thinking now about what is my reason for fasting? What do I want to see in my life and then in, in the lives of, of our church because of our fasting and our separating ourselves under prayer? It all happened in a moment. In a most remarkable moment, God came near. He came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a carpenter. The hands that held him were not manicured, but they were calloused and dirty. No silk, no ivory, no hype, no party. He came near for us and for you. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what you believe, regardless of what you've been taught you believe, taught to believe, he came near just for you. And today I would like to start off in the book of Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to probably have a brief message about 35 minutes. And uh, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I anticipated a little longer with our kids. And uh, so I prepared like from... From eleven thirty to twelve, and and uh, it will probably be from eleven to eleven thirty or or less. But I want your attention to go to Isaiah chapter seven. This uh, is this is the, the forecoming of Christ. Everything that he about what he was going to uh, be like, what he was going to. Uh, the conditions around it were not spectacular. They're not glorious. The, there's so many references to his coming in the Old Testament, but nobody seemed to put it all together. At this time, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in, in a minute. Chapter 7, verse 14. The Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be pregnant, and she will have a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. He will be eating milk curds and honey when he learns to reject what is evil and choose what is good. What does it mean to when He comes, He's coming, born of a virgin? But while he is still small, he's going to be eating milk, curds, and honey. That refers to his age, being raised, about him learning things he should and shouldn't do. Even when he's small, is learning to differentiate between right and wrong, good and evil. And every one of our lives, every one of us come to some place in our life that we, we recognize there's things that's good to do and things that are not good to do. But he knew things that were going to... Be, He was learning things about spiritually about what his position was at a young age. Nothing about fame. Nothing about his fortune. Nothing about wealth or popularity was in in the scheme of things when it was proclaimed about what he would be uh, like. We'd be looking for this, this person. Or the Jews would be looking for this person. He came in the most unusual way. But he came with purpose. Everything about the Christ, everything about the Christ child was was about a purpose. I was, yesterday my wife and I were talking, I don't know who said it or why, I think she may have said it, and it's, this next point I'm going to say this, she, she said, nothing just happens. And I begin to think about that, man, that goes perfect with what I'm going to be speaking on. Nothing just happens. And the life of Christ, nothing just happened. You think about all the dynamics of all the things of, about him Coming to this earth as a born of a virgin, of all these things, nothing just happens. Mary was, of all the women, of all the women at the time, it may not have been multiple millions like nowadays, but it was probably a million women or thousands of women that she, it could have been chosen by God. But He chose Mary. What was it about Mary? What was it? Did she have a certain look? Does she have a certain build? Does she have a certain intellect? I'll tell you what it was. She had a certain character about her. There was something particularly about her that God chose her. It wasn't that, that she was marked divinely, that she had a, a, uh, um, a virgin birth herself. She was born a man and woman. She was born like everyone else. How she lived, who she, who she associated with, how old she was. Was she married or single? All these things in the in the calculation of why he chose Mary. But what else did he know about Mary? What do we know today about her? We know that she was promised in marriage. She was engaged, if you will. She was engaged to be married, and God knew that when he spoke to her and the angel appeared unto her, he knew that she was engaged. Now, what was this going to do to this engagement? It wasn't by chance that God chose her. Everything, a lot of times we try to just say things happen to random chance, but they don't. There's a lot of things that happen in our life that we've created and we've caused to happen in the negative ways, a lot of them in a positive way. But this life was not, Christ's life was dependent on two other people, about Mary and Joseph. I read a little introduction, uh, God came near. He wasn't born in this splendor. He had callous hands, pick him up, dirty callous hands. and cradled him and held him when he cried, when he wept. It was a little peasant girl, nobody knew who she was. But there was something about this two together. It took the two people to raise this boy. Matthew in chapter one. What do we know about Joseph? We know his heritage. We know where he came from. We know he's from the line uh, from, uh, from David, was his forefather. We know he had to be that. I'm going to read the scripture. Matthew chapter one, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother, Mary was engaged to Mary, engaged to Mary Joseph, but before they married, she learned she was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Mary's husband, Joseph, was a good man. He did not want to disgrace her in public, so he planned to, to divorce her secretly. There was something about even that, even that little issue God considered. What was Joseph like? A lot of times we're so focused on Mary, we forget all about Joseph. Because he isn't referred to later on in, in the life of, of Christ, but it's, except for when he was 12 years old. And he was three days away from his family. I want to go to there. But there's something unique about Joseph. I'll tell you what, he was more of a man than any of us in here. He was not normal. What can you learn from him? What can you learn from Joseph? What was God entrusting him? He was entrusting him to raise up his child, the son of God, he chose Mary, yes, we know that, and we talk about Mary, but what about him? What about the dynamic duo of those two together? What if he had not been a follower of the Lord? What if he had not been uh, committed to, it, to the law? He would never would have taken Jesus to be, well, the process when he's eight years old. He would have taken him to the, uh, the temple to be circumcised. And the thing we see about him in the very beginning is that he didn't want to, be, he didn't want to take Mary and make her a public example and never want to totally browbeat her and put her down. So he said, I'll just take her and I'll remove her and I'll divorce her privately. I'll withdraw my offer to marry her. He could have involved others. And I talk to uh, young couples when they're going to get married. I tell them, don't involve everybody in your marriage. It is your marriage and it is yours to protect. Keep certain people at arm's length from your marriage. They don't, have any, they don't need to know anything about your marriage. And so this man here, he done the same thing. He kept everybody out, in it, so he chose to get her divorce. Go to chapter uh, verse, verse 20 let me ask you this what was his opinion of Mary after he found out when she came and told him I'm a child what do you think his opinion of her was she lied to him she was dishonest to him how many other things does she have in her in her past that she hasn't told me we know that she was young so maybe his, he felt like he was being deceived the whole time but yet he had deep feelings for her and verse 20 while Joseph thought about these things, the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream, and the angel said, "Joseph, descendant of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the baby, the baby in, because the baby in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you will name his name Jesus, and he will be he will save his people from their sins. All this happened to bring about what the Lord had said through the prophet." A virgin shall be pregnant, she will have a son, and then we will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord's angel had told him to do. He took Mary as his wife. One of the things we need to learn about, about Joseph is he was a man who learned how to listen to God. He could have just justified, the maybe it was pizza he ate the night before, a bad dream. A lot of people told me lately they have these dreams about things, and some of them make sense, some of them don't. But sometimes we just have dreams for whatever, He could have just wrote this off the same way we do many times when we dream, but he took it to heart. You know, we read this. We never see any any record of his life before that God had ever spoke to him. This is not the last time that God speaks to him. He's made himself frequently spoke to this man's life. God chose Mary not only for her character, but also the character of Joseph. Man, she would have been unique if she was highly favored, and we know all the scripture about her. But without Joseph, it could not have happened. Without Joseph, it had to be somebody else. But it wasn't, it was him. What was it about Joseph I'll make sense of why I'm talking so much about Joseph in just a couple minutes. Because you may be thinking, why is he hating on Mary? (laughs) This is supposed to be about the birth of Christ. It is about his birth. But folks, there was so much in the package that had to go on and had to happen exactly right before Christ ever came. In the beginning, when the Holy Spirit moved upon her, that's when Joseph was brought in the picture. Not, Not when she was eight or nine months pregnant, but at the very beginning, at the inception of this, he knew from the beginning, he said, I want to be part. I don't understand it, but God, if you spoke this to me, I want to be a part. So he took the responsibility. What was God looking for in a father? Man, from a grandparent's perspective, What would I look for in a father? For every one of my grandkids. What is it? I want them to be exceptional. I want them to have character that is unblemished. I wouldn't have any reservations about anything that they do because I know that they would do what's right. And that's exactly how God was viewing him. He had a a good relationship with the Lord, one that would raise his son with the same character. I do believe that Jesus is divinely God, but divinely man, and He was influenced by men and by God. When He was twelve years old, I will tell you. When He was twelve years old, He was in the temple being taught. Every boy was getting caught up in things, and but man, three days they traveled home for about three days, and a day and a half, and a day and a half back, and. And then he goes, Don't you know, know that I have to be at my, about my father's business? And that's really profound and really cool. But Joseph had to handle, him, handle himself right. A man, Joseph, one that would raise his son to respect the law, and he respected the law. One that would taught his son how to be a man. And I'm so glad he taught him how to be a man because he taught him how to work, he taught him how to be responsible. Chapter two of Luke, we don't have to go there, but in chapter two of Luke, he even went out of his way to take him to the temple. And there he met Simeon. That's another story. We've always been drawn to Mary because her selection as a mother. But there's a whole lot, there's a whole another fact about Joseph that we don't think about. The character that he represented. Luke chapter two. We're gonna rehash a little bit of what Josh read earlier. At that time at the time <clears throat> at that time, Augustus Caesar sent an order out. In all the countries under the Roman rule, it lists their names in the register. This was the first registration. It was taken while Quintarius, something like that, was governor of Syria, and went down in their own towns to be registered. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and he went to a town in Bethlehem of Judea, known as the town of David. Joseph went there because his family was from the family of David. Joseph registered with, his, with Mary, to whom he was engaged and now pregnant. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, because there was no rooms for them in the inn. Now, I, don't, I didn't want to read that just for reading its sake. But it didn't just happen. It didn't just happen... At this time that Caesar appointed a census. You see, there was nine months of preparation in this marriage, in this pregnancy. And it just happened to be this weekend or this couple of weeks that this stage was set aside for him to choose a census of all the people. You see, when the ball began to roll nine months ago, everything in everything had to come into order. Because God was involved with Joseph. He was involved with Mary. But he was also involved even more than that. He even had the world, world leaders that were not believers. How else would Mary and Joseph wind up in Bethlehem? They were way down in Nazareth. Nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. If we sit and look at all the the different angles of this story and this, this historical event that brought about the birth of the Christ child. There are so many things about it in our lives that we can apply the same way. How many things have we done in our life? And, and God has been orchestrating and working in your life. Now, mind you, we're not as important as Christ and this scenario here, but you're very important to Him. And you look in your life at all the different scenarios that have happened, that you're in this church this morning to hear a message just like this, because nothing just happens. We can look at, oh, it just happens a chance or we just random things happen. They don't. Now, if you walk out the door and find a $5 bill, that's random. But this is divinely orchestrated. It was divinely orchestrated. If he sent his son to come and die for you and I, John 3.16, John 3.17. He orchestrated enough in your life to hopefully get you to recognize God came near to me. God's come near to me. He's come near to me for a reason. In Matthew chapter 2, and I'm, I'm almost done. After the angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream, said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Verse 13. Escape to Egypt because Herod is looking for the child so he can kill him. Stay in Egypt until I tell you to return. So Joseph got up, left for Egypt during the night with his child and his mother and Moses. And Joseph stayed in Egypt until Herod died. And this happened to bring about what the Lord had said to the prophet, I call my son out of Egypt. Verse 19. After he had died, an angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream while he was in Egypt. The angel said, get up, take the child and mother back into the land of Israel because the people who are trying to kill him are now dead. So Joseph took the child and his mother and went to Israel. I'm going to stop there. Never once, about three years later, from the time he was born, maybe, maybe a few years old, longer than that, he was still hearing the voice of God. And I thought, man, what an example for us fathers. You don't just hear him once when you get saved. You just don't have your heart opened up and and God speak to you when you're emotional. There are times when you're not emotional, but you're consistent in your walk. You're consistent in how you teach, how you train. And our kids, especially our offspring, how consistency is so important in all that we do as a man. Mary we know the sacrifices she made, and we know later she watched her son sacrifice upon the cross, but what about Joseph? All the things he done for the first 12 years of Jesus' life should be admired, and every, every one of us men need to look at him as, as, a, as a direction in our life, that we're the same way, that we're open, we listen to the Spirit of God when he speaks, because we know that nothing just happens. This birth didn't just happen. It was a whole lot of the things that happened to bring about this one birth with a man and a woman, and the Holy Spirit inspired things. The importance of a listening dad, the importance of a listening father. I want you to go to Judges in chapter 2, if you would. Judges Judges chapter two, verse 10. After those people had died, their children grew up and did not know the Lord or what he had done for all of Israel. So they did what the Lord said was wrong and they worshiped the Baal idols. They quit following the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They began to worship the gods of the people who lived around them and that really made the Lord angry. I thought about us today. We think we don't have time or that's just for women. Men don't really do that. Men don't really uh, take to the lead, lead the spiritual thing to the women. Maybe a lot of men do. But I believe that God is speaking to some of you to be something different. Someone who establishes something that's right regardless. Everybody at that time had forgot about who God was. And they began to die out. A generation began to die out. The older people began to, to die out. And, and so they lost the intensity. And, and lost their intensity and they lost their, I don't know what the word is. It'll come back to me next week. And they lost their intentional, that's it. it came back in just a minute. They lost their intentional thinking and their intentional teaching. And all the people began to watch as the generation began to dumb down and they began to not care about the things of God. And then they began to fill their life with all these things that everybody else said was cool. That's what everybody else was doing. And they lost their connectability with God. See, I don't care who you are, there's somebody in your past as a man that was a follower of Jesus. There was somebody in your past it was a follower of everything that he represented, what he done. He just held dear to your heart. The value of a father, the value, the value of a man who will stand up and do what's right. If this generation drops the ball, I've tried to establish something within the kids, my kids' lives. But if Layton and Tyson and Alana, it's great to have her here this morning. But if they don't teach it to their offspring, if they don't, they become just like these people in Judges. They forgot what God had done because he didn't do it enough or didn't do it on their schedule. They just lessen and lessen and lessen their dependence on him. But I'll tell you something. The last scripture in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. The last scriptures represent everything that Christ represented. Why he came to this earth. Why God prepared such a a unique scenario with Joseph and Mary. And the the leader of, the Roman leader Caesar. There was all these things working together to bring about this Christ child. And in Malachi, if you want to go there, verse 5. But I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great terrifying day of the Lord, the Lord's judgment. Elijah will help parents love their children, and children will love their parents. Otherwise, I will come and put a curse on the land. And I begin to think, oh, you got to understand this. This Elijah talks is about Christ. When Christ came, Elijah was was in the form of. Everything that he, he represented was just like Elijah. When Christ came, he came for one reason. so that we could have right relationship with him. Doesn't matter anything else, right relationship with him. That means being man enough to listen to him. Being man enough to marry the woman. This is just scenario. Marry the person that God spoke to your heart. All these things had to do with listening to God. Are you listening this morning? Jesus came to restore us all. He came to restore the men to the kids. If you're a woman or a man, you can take these words and apply them to your life and apply them in your situation you're supposed to teach your kids not somebody else you're supposed to be an example to your kids you're supposed to teach them how to be a man how to be a woman what it means to be a man and to be a woman someone who can listen to God when he speaks and our kids looked at us and they can respect it they may not always agree but it is our responsibility to draw the hearts of the kids in the world back to the Father I want you to bow your heads with me.